We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they gonna roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? Rogers in trouble. It's gonna get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone! It is caught for the win! Richard Rogers! With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast that is a proud partner of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire family. Back at his command station, I am your host, Numak. Uh, and joining me for a preview, a, a pseudo-playoff matchup against the Minnesota Vikings this coming New Year's Eve is my lovely co-host, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm ready to celebrate the year that was and look into 2024 with rose-colored glasses and in the the glasses that fit, like, the year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, have you seen the 2024 ones? I have. They're not good. I saw. I believe I saw your. You had an Instagram post. I did. Of, of it said, I don't know how they're gonna do. How, what was it? You tell it. You I don't know. Uh, me every year. I don't know how they're gonna make the year into a new set of glasses, and then every year they seem to find a new one. <laughs> the 2024 yeah, like, ones are so bad. Damn, they did it again. Damn, they did it again, but they were so bad. Oh, they were yeah. so bad. Um, but yeah, before we get into the New Year's Eve matchup on Sunday Night Football, uh, we have to look back at the Christmas... Waiting all day for Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have to go back and look at the uh, 
unfortunate, I guess is how I'll say it. Hey, they won. Let's hey, they won. again. Yeah, we have to talk about cheeses, though, so we yeah. kind of do have to talk about it We can again. talk about the individual players that were good. We don't have to talk about the uh, processes that led to... Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, cheeses for the Packers, 33-30 to 30 win over the Carolina Panthers. You got one, two, three, six candidates. That's how numbers work in succession, by the way. Um, six candidates for, <laughs> for cheeses this week. First up is, I'm going to go in reverse order so we don't always start with the obvious. Uh, reverse order, we're starting with Anders Carlson, three for four on his extra points, 32-yard field goal and a 53-yard field goal. Uh, audio listeners, Jordan gave the the devil horns, the rock-on horns for... No, it's the field goal horns. Field the horns. field goal horns. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I cannot believe you. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so, like I said, 32-yard field goal and a 53-yard field goal to, in essence, win the game for the Packers. Um, next up is Preston Smith. Three tackles, two of solo, one tackle for a loss, uh, one and a half sacks, and four QB hits. Really getting in the backfield all day on Sunday. Next up is uh, rookie sensation Bull Melton, obviously. Four catches on six targets, 44 receiving yards, and one carry for seven yards. Most of that in the first half. <coughs> Excuse me again, my apologies. Next up is Romeo Dobbs. Four catches on five targets, 79 yards for a touchdown. Um, and then Aaron Jones, 21 carries, 127 rushing yards, one reception on three targets, and eight receiving yards. Again, a lot of that coming in the first half, mostly the first drive. And last, but certainly not least in our hearts, is Jordan Love, 17 of 28, 219 passing yards, two TDs, and then two carries for 12 rushing yards and a rushing TD that I believe came out like a QE sneak, if I'm not mistaken. So, that being said, of these six candidates, Jordan, we need to pick three of them for a cheese. And I'm curious, should we... Oh, no, we'll do, we'll do the wrap-up of who's leading cheeses after, after this as to give people the little update of where that is. So... We had talked a tiny bit pre-pod about what our choices would be, and you said you're locked in. So I, I want you to give your three locked-in cheeses, and I'll see if I agree with them. Okay, so last week, Numak uh, hijacked the cheeses. Andrew Schneider bared witness to this. But I agreed, I eventually agreed on where we settled, where it was one offense player, two defense players. This is coming after the Buccaneers' losses. Kenny Clark and J.J. Anaguari. And then I believe the Jaden Reed? I think so. No, Wicks. Wicks. But yeah, that sounds about right. Yes. Um, This week, I'm taking the reins. <laughs> taking the reins. Okay. Um, I got two for sure locks. Aaron Jones. It's It's... Very simple. 21 carries, 127 yards rushing. <laughs> no, I don't think I, no disagreement from my side. Yeah. Aaron Jones, lock. We want you back on the cheese board. It's been too long. It's great. Preston Smith, second lock. Because he was one of the few defenders that actually gave a damn. And played, made different difference-making plays. No disagreement for me. Now, the third is a very tough one because I think Jordan Love played very well 
against the Panthers. I think the I think Romeo Dobbs' performance is is I would say probably the best of the year. Certainly the most efficient. I would say the most efficient. I think stat wise he's had better. I think he's had more yards but not had a touchdown. I think is I think he had like ninety something the, yards. The Lions game was his season and career high. Right. Where he had like eight catches ninety nine yards or whatever. But mm-hmm. it was not Yeah, they were playing catch up, it's not as impactful and all that stuff. Correct. I'm also not going to I don't want I wanna give a like even if it's an honorable mention in the end, Bo Melton made big plays. He made big plays. He did he a third down conversion on third and ten during this game. Mm-hmm. We're talking about he's wearing number number eighty. Is he the next coming of Donald Driver? If his name was Boy Melton, that would be me in the summer <laughs> when it's so hot. Um, I think in the end I would probably lean Dobbs I would be inclined to agree with you I think we're on the same page 3 for 3 I will say though our standard for Jordan Love is getting higher it is and therefore these cheeses are getting more out of reach this might be a good transition to the cheese board leaderboard. Yes. I just said board twice. But I do think this is where, like, we're probably going to face this problem way more next year. Where, oh, if he has, like, a, a, a B level, a B plus game. I would say this is a B plus game from Jordan Love mm-hmm. against the Panthers. Yeah. Obviously, it depends on the other supporting cast members or key players to, you know, make a good impact and stuff like that. But I do think we're getting to this territory of like we're making it harder for Jordan Love to get a cheese. I'm just noting it. That I'm that, sure the listeners are noting it as well. Yep, that's fine. I think if we are to operate the the cheese board in a similar fashion that Ty and Rohan and company over on. Uh, Eurostep operate the, the bucks, stocks. the stocks is that it's like they don't give Giannis a uh, uh, an up stock for every single time he scores 30 and 10, right? Like, oh, they should, though. well, I think that's part of the stock, right? <laughs> is that they, you, you can't is. reward what becomes an average performance for a player, and for what it's worth. I think like we're starting to see at least this season of what Jordan loves um, like average performance is. If you go through his game log um, through this, um, we'll go back since like the start of the losing streak. So going back to week four or yeah, I think it's four. 246, 182, 180, 229, 228, 289, 322, 268, 267, 218, 284, 219. His his yardage kind of varies between that 220 and that 280 kind of mark. Yeah. Out, outliers notwithstanding, including the um, two games against the Raiders and the Broncos, and then this uh, the Chargers and the uh, the uh, the Steelers. 
where he was just throwing a bunch. Like that Steelers game, he went 21 of 40 with 289, but also had two interceptions. Yeah. So, like, we're starting to. In the to first s- Vikings game, he was throwing a bunch. Right. And he had 229 for that big yardage, too. So, like, nothing super outstanding either. And that's just kind of the the point of the of the cheese board, right? Is to give it to the guys who are performing the best each week. And I think there's just opportunity to recognize other players who who are doing well and who rose above expectations versus the guys who are um, who are playing just still like just playing well still. I think if we operated the cheese board this year like we did last year, he'd have a few more cheeses than he does as i'll mention in a moment but if we're doing it like the way we are this year we're choosing three standout players from each game it will be harder for jordan love to attain those cheeses for the sole purpose of is he playing to his average or is he playing above what our expectations are are for him so that's just where i think we, we stand on cheeses this season for him so with that being said Let's go through the cheese board tally through now week 16. Jordan, right. Jordan Love leads the way with six. And second is Jaden Reed with four. Rashawn, uh, oh, I apologize. Well, this with, is, this with, is, with the updated one. Did you send me a new one? Yes, this is the updated one. Romeo Dobbs is in third place with three. Yep. And then... So that's our top three for right now. Yes. And then from there... Rashawn Gary, Russell Douglas, Devonta Wyatt, Elton Jenkins, Kenny Clark, Isaiah McDuffie, and Rudy Ford all have two. And then, um, oh, and Aaron Jones has two now. My apologies. And I think, who do we, who we, we went, Preston Smith has also has two now. And then the rest of these players have one. Quay Walker, AJ Dillon, Zach Tom, TJ Slayton, Carrington Valentine, Anders Carlson, Christian Watson, Keyshawn Nixon, Tucker Craft. Dontavon Wicks and JJ Enigbari. Which like I know you said when we when you had sent me this that you were surprised at the list. And I want you to talk about who you were surprised or what you were surprised by. I am surprised at the fact that we named twenty three Packers have at least one cheese. So out of three cheeses times fifteen games. Yeah. Forty five cheeses. We've given half or no, not half. Nearly half of the roster. Yeah. No, I, I including including two to someone who's not on the team anymore too. Right. Obviously. Obviously. I I don't know. Like I think that kind of it it really tracks with this how this season has been very volatile and inconsistent, mm-hmm. but also. I the t- the first two are like. Yes, they are locked in. Like it should not be a surprise that Jordan Love and Jaden Reed, yeah, who have been the engines to the offense and has been the high performing unit on this Packers team, are rightfully so leading the way. Romeo Dallas having three, kind of surprising, but also he's had really good games. Again, inconsistency is his biggest issue. It's more of like it is just this kind of the you know like a great like a bell curve. It's mm-hmm. like the bell curve of this year is just very like fat in the middle. Yeah. You know, Humpty Dumpty esque bell curve. Right. Yeah, I think I agree with you totally that this season has been has been volatile. There hasn't been a lot of consistency in what 
and where we get production from. I should say, wait, where the Packers get production from and who it comes from on both sides of the ball, frankly. Like, week to week, there's new guys stepping up throughout the season. And I think it makes sense that when you're looking at the youngest team in football right now, that you would have a lot of different guys stepping up week to week that deserve to get, uh, that deserve their accolades. So, yeah, I I think the only thing that was surprising to me was the Rudy Ford two. But I think when we, when we had talked, it was just like the two huge plays he made this season that were important. I think it was uh, the Vikings game against Goff. And when he had the, when he had the interception, like that was like the one good defensive play that uh that week and then i forget what this other one was i think it was uh help me remember jordan what was oh the saints game yeah the saints game we gave it to him because he had a a very good grade that that week as well and so yeah i think it it kind of tracks for just how the seasons went yeah so that being said we wrapped up the cheeses we'll get into some news and notes um for the packers this week as uh we get into the vikings game We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the the talk of Packers Twitter is quarterback Jair Alexander being suspended by the team for week 17 for, quote, conduct detrimental to the team. The inciting incident was Jair going out for the coin toss at the start of the Panthers game, despite not being a captain, and nearly botching the coin flip. Um, I will say that uh, Matt LaFleur said in his press conference that it wasn't one issue that led to Jair being suspended, and that it was kind of a culmination of things, and that they met with Jair, and I think that it'll, it'll be better going forward. Um, Twitter in general, like NFL Twitter in general, has had a, a day and had a week with this. Like it's one of the funnier suspensions to have existed in in life. Like especially Jair's post game um, discussion about it. All in all, it comes at a time when the uh, the Packers could really use Jair in a against a team with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison at receiver. Not to snuff KJ Osborne either. And so it comes at a really bad time, but I think this is a regression to the mean as to what the Packers are willing to put up with publicly as a as a franchise. I know I saw a lot of discussion of like the Packers look silly because of this and that they like are doing this because of how much they dealt with with Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think that's necessarily untrue, but I think that you can separate what Jair did 
from everything that Aaron Rodgers did and still think it's worthy of suspension. So, I guess, what are your thoughts on it, Jordan? I'll give mine afterwards, but I know that we've been in the Discord. And spoiler alert, not, I should say, I keep saying spoiler alert when I say to join the Discord. Brief interruption, join the GSPN Discord at GSPN.info. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So, but we've been talking about the Jair suspension in there as well. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Um, okay. It is, as a man of comedy, it is inherently funny that you suspend someone for interrupting a coin toss, acting as a captain when he wasn't named that, and him nearly botching the call, which is news to me that you can receive the ball twice if you don't say it properly. Like, these are the little, like, arcane football rules that are just part of my French freaking stupid that like just exists and we just like okay that's football like whatever however I think the thing that the pack I think people that have followed the Packers that have watched the Packers for especially the last two three years is that things have been coming to a head with Jair Alexander and he's a very talented player Last year was a down year for him, and he was still named an all-pro cornerback, which I believe you and I both questioned. We were very surprised by it. We were very surprised. It was not his best year. We thought, oh, you would obviously not reward him with such a great honor. But that is the kind of player that we're talking about here. He is a high-linked player. He's the highest-paid cornerback in NFL history. I believe that still stands now. Could be wrong. It's He at least placed a benchmark for other quarterbacks who are as talented as him to reach that pinnacle of being rewarded financially to that degree. He also makes very frustrating and kind of like YOLO level kind of decisions both on and off the field. And I think this is ultimately a culmination of everything that we've seen over. I would Limited to the last two years, especially. But you can tolerate these things when you're winning. You can tolerate these things of he has this irrational confidence guy. He's When things are going great, you love to hear t- Jair chirp. You love to hear him talk smack. You love to hear him do all the things that you do. When you're a Packers team that is rebuilding, that is young, and you are, if you're looking at the discipline issues, whether it's, you know, penalties or the, the mistakes that the young players have over time have ironed out, but still they're green, they're searching for experience, they're looking for leaders to lead this football team. Jair Alexander, I just butchered his name, Jair Alexander is not the prototypical leader, in my opinion, for that thing. So yes, it is funny in in, in a capsule of, I'm going to wedding crash this coin toss and... Yo, go YOLO on this. But I also think this has just been festering for a very long time. And especially this season where he's going to miss more games than he actually played. And yes, there are injuries that he has been carrying that have prevented him from playing. But that kind of exacerbates these issues that haven't really been talked about. I know the Athletics' Matt Schneeman, he wrote an article a couple weeks ago talking about why Jair did not travel with the team 
to New York when they faced Tommy DeVito and the Giants, despite having traveled in previous games, despite being hurt. And there's just something going on. And whether that comes out in the offseason, whether that comes out it, you know, under the most drastic measures that the Packers move on from him, even though it's not all that financially viable, it doesn't matter. There is something there, and it is one little symptom of a larger issue that I think Matt LaFleur has to face in probably his biggest offseason as a head coach because you're direct. this is the new direction that you're looking to go with a young Packers team that clearly has something. It's about yielding that something over the next you know decade of prosperity. But Jair Alexander, to me, is an incredibly frustrating player because you see the talent, you see all the things that he deserves. He is one of the best players at his position in the NFL. Don't do this. Stop doing this stuff. You're going to ruin your career. Like, it is that, it's that simple. And I think that is where I ultimately lie, where you let these things go on when things are going good and it's like, great. But now when you're kind of, whether they're in a better middle this year than they were last year, because we can look at toward the future and it building towards something. But I don't know. On an individual basis, this is a really tough decision that they kind of have to rein in Jair Alexander. And I don't know how you do that. And how, how like, how do you, the the classic saying, how do you get the toothpaste back in the tube? Yeah, you know I mean, that's that's the that's kind of where we're approaching. Yeah, I think that you're spot on with that. It's frustrating to watch Jair be like this, but I think at the same time, this is kind of who Jair has always been, and that that's kind of just part of who he's always been. This big personality, he's always been this kind of guy that enjoys riling up and kind of ruffling feathers in the locker room, not in a bad way, but like, I guess in the media, like locker room and the, the locker room media interviews, things like that. Like he always has something big to say. He had the big hat last year. Like he's, he's very much Jair. Like he's, he's his own person. And I think we've come to love him or hate him just like because of that. Um, to wrap up your point earlier, he is, um, seventh in, uh, total cash for cornerbacks um, behind Denzel Ward, Trayvon Diggs, uh, Devin Witherspoon, Xavier Howard, Carlton Davis, and Marshawn Lattimore for just cash this year. Obviously, De- Devin Witherspoon is a rookie. I was going to say, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it's like um, just total cash, I think, this year. like he has uh, Devin Witherspoon has a big cap hit this year, but not so much next year. But like Denzel Ward, um, I think, has a bigger contract than Jair. Jair's was four years, 84 million, and then Denzel Ward was something um, like four years, I think 100 million, if not mistaken. Five years, 100 million. So he's definitely up there in like total um, total money. I think even like Xavier Howard too, again, five years, 90 million. So he did, like like you said, set that bar for what top cornerbacks are going to get paid. But yeah, I think I agree with you for the most part that it is frustrating to watch Jair be like this. And that I don't think like this is ruining his career per se. I just think it's it, it might ruin his chances to get paid again, as big as it is. Because 
people might think his headache is not worth his his, his play um, after his injuries that he's had. Ultimately, I I do think though that it is. I'm not gonna say like it, it's 90, 85, 90 percent Jagger's fault he got suspended. I do think this requires a bit of blame on the Packers side because of the circumstances of why like this ultimately became a suspension was Jair going out um, not as a captain to do the coin toss. Jair being from Charlotte in the Charlotte area, Charlotte area has not played um, in Carolina since being drafted. Like it would probably mean a lot to him to go out there and uh, represent his, his, home and as a captain and do all this like that's a pretty big deal for a person that is in the nfl get to playing in front of all your family friends in a team that you grew up around like we talked about this at length um with with christian watson last year and how he wasn't able to make his nfl debut or wasn't able to play in tampa bay when that's where he's from last year like that's a big deal for for these guys and to not be not to name your highest paid corner i think might be highest paid defensive person or defensive player uh, until rashawn gary until rashawn like he got his extension, extension kicks in which already kicked in right but like i think like that's a i'm not gonna say a severe misstep but i think you have to swallow your pride as a coach and say like go out and kind of give jair that that captainship for his Hope for the game at which he's playing in his home, his hometown, and then see how his behavior is after that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, will, I, like I think that's, yeah. I think you just have, like, as whoever names captains, whether it's the floor or Joe Barry picks defensive captains, whatever, whoever picks I think it. It's Barry. I think it's who's ever, I mean, it's weird for the, hey, coach to be the offense, but he's also right the pseudo. I think it, know, I think it's just a misstep that way. And not thinking about the bigger picture of what it could mean to Jair. And I think that is something you have to take into account when you name captains and thinking about where they're from, yada, yada, yada. Devil's advocate on that point, because I do agree with you. I think that it was a misstep. It was, it, it's a, you know, the first thing you do is you just look at someone's bio and be like, oh, we're playing near your hometown. Like they've done it with previous players. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Exactly. The thing is, Perhaps things behind the scenes have led to that, um, to Barry or whoever's calling the shots with the captainships, to say, oh, we're not going to give you the captain this week. Yeah, and I think that's just a bad, a bad idea. Like, if yeah. things are behind the scenes are that bad, to where they're not going to give the guy... The cat, like being named, be named a captain in his hometown, then he should have been suspended before that. Like I, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities because not only is it like he was he playing in his hometown, it was his first game back after a six-game absence, battling yeah. battling injury. Like like you said, he's gonna miss more games than he's played this year. Um. But I still think, like, you give that guy that extra morale boost and let him know that you're still behind him, despite what's going on behind the scenes. Like, it almost comes off as petty to not do it. And if it's not petty, it just is ignorant, which you shouldn't be as a coach. You should be able to know your best players for sure. And, like, this is, 
an extreme, but did you read the Brandon Staley, like, obituary on ESPN or whatever all that was when he got fired? And no. how? So Brandon Staley had a knack of wishing everybody happy birthday whenever they were, like, in team meetings. If someone's birthday, he called out all the birthdays, all that stuff. And he wished a couple guys happy birthday, and then some other player piped up and said, hey, it's this player's birthday, too. Like, the 53rd man on the roster or something. So we have an elevator from the Pratt squad or whatever. Exactly. And uh, and Staley essentially just kind of, like, blew up, like, oh, yep, okay, happy birthday. And then they went out their meeting. Like, it's that level of, if you're not thinking about everybody yeah why are you like what why aren't you doing that do you not respect them as players like what like what is going on and whatever the case may be we've went on longer about this i think we wanted to but i think like i said 85 90 percent jire's fault for causing a scene and almost screwing it up but also the packers and the coaches have to have a a bigger picture view of this in that just give them name him a captain for his home game and if and if morale does not improve then think about suspending him at a later date yeah that's kind of just how i saw it for it so with that being said anything else or should we move on to the actual game no i, I it's now we're he's missing the our make or break game really yeah a, a game where they where, where they need at. him a game yep. where they need them. Packers uh, enter this week two and five all time against the Vikings in U.S. Bank Stadium, which is not a surprising stat to me. They have never played well at U.S. Bank. Um, and one of those wins was during the COVID year, where there's no fans. Mm-hmm. So very, very hard place that. to play. Um, before we get into it all, we, we're going to do a little scoreboard watching for this week. Um, so. Playoff relevant games to keep track of. There is four of them. Rams at the Giants, Steelers at the Seahawks, Falcons at the Bears, Saints at the Buccaneers. Uh, Packers fans, you guys are rooting for the Giants to beat the Rams, the Steelers to beat the Seahawks, the Bears to beat the Falcons, and the Buccaneers beat the Saints. That is where we sit as, as fans. I think for the Packers, they need to not have the Giants or not have the Rams and the Seahawks went out, I think is where yep. we're at. Yes. And then I, th- I think the Buccaneers can win out and that's fine. Cause they'll just win their division because yes, because the Packers have the tiebreaker over the Saints. They do not have the tiebreaker over the Buccaneers after losing them. Correct. So more uh, disparity between those two teams would help the Packers get the Buccaneers win. Correct. So that's where we sit. We are Giants, Steelers, and unfortunately, well, Giants, Steelers, and Buccaneers fans, and unfortunately, a little bit of Bears fans next week. But honestly, like, I think, I'm not going to get into it. Playoff scenarios are are very finicky at this point with Packers. They need help. They're very finicky. They need help from their friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they, can't, they can't get by without help from their friends. If the Packers win this week, this is according to NFL Next Gen Stats, they are 56 percent playoff probability i liked it better when that number was 99 i did too their current playoff probability is 26 percent. yeah they need a they need a few breaks to go their way and i think that's the biggest thing is that they just they just need some luck to go in with taking care of business i think the rams have really um 
and talk about a team that they beat already and would have had the tiebreaker over, but the Rams are kind of out of reach. They're playing the Giants, and they should beat them. I think the game that I would be very interested to watch is Steelers-Seahawks. Yeah, Steelers at Seahawks. That'll be a a tough a tough gig for sure, frankly. Like, mm-hmm. I forget if they're still starting Kenny Pickett or if it's still Mitch Trubisky. It is Mason Rudolph. Oh my God, I forgot that that, that yeah, yeah. It'll be a, a tough tough time for the Steelers on that one. The Packers playoff hopes hinge <laughs> on one Mason Wayne Rudolph. I don't like that sentence. But let's get into the injury report because it's a long one for the Packers. Oh, actually, he, his name is Brett Mason Rudolph the third. Still hate that. Yeah. Um, let's get into the injury report for the for the Packers and the Vikings as it is a long one. Um, please bear with me as I take a big breath and try and get through the long list that is the Packers. Uh, Devontae Campbell did not participate in both practices Wednesday and Thursday. Um, with a neck injury, I don't think he's going to be playing at all again this year, frankly. Oh, waving waving the finger from Jordan? No, I don't think he is. Yeah, I, I think... We've seen the last of Ronja Campbell this season. I think so as well, which is unfortunate because I think he's just an emotional player, frankly. And I think he wants to be out there, but I would imagine he's a bit frustrated with all the injuries and playing through injuries and things like that. So, um, AJ Dillon was limited a limited participant in practice. Um Wednesday and Thursday as well, as he has a broken thumb. So I'd assume he's, he would play again with that wrap as he had last week. Um, JJ Anagbare was promoted from a limited participant to a full participant on Thursday. So he's practicing for, uh, with a toe injury. Elton Jenkins, shoulder knee injury, was a DMP um, up to a limited on Thursday as well. Aaron Jones, he's a, all these players were limited both Wednesday and Thursday Um for practice, Aaron Jones, Luke Musgrave as he comes back from IR with his kidney laceration, Jonathan Owens with a knee injury, Jaden Reed with a toe and chest injury, uh, cornerback Robert Rochelle with a shoulder injury, and then uh, Quay Walker with a shoulder injury as well. And then TJ Slayton has a knee and a foot injury. He was limited on Wednesday but did not participate on Thursday, so that is not a great sign for him. Um, Christian Watson and Dontavian Wicks were both DMPs. Um, and then Emmanuel Wilson was a full participant, um, was a full participant on Wednesday and Thursday as he, as he tries to come back from IR. So I believe I saw something that, um, Tenuta, uh, Musgrave and Wilson were unlikely to be activated from IR this week because typically when the Packers do that, they make that transaction on Tuesday. And they hadn't activated ah. those guys off of IR as of this week. So I think there's obviously still a chance for them to be activated, but I think what the designation was from whoever I saw it from was that if you keep the guy on the roster on Tuesday, you have to pay him for that week. And like you wouldn't want to pay from a strictly cap perspective, you wouldn't want to pay the guy for practicing, but then not being ready to play the game. So, um, takes away the hope for a revival of the double tight end sets of Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, but hopefully we can get that in week 18 against the Bears, because I think seeing Luke Musgrave play again this season would be enjoyable, just as a fan, seeing him come back from that that kidney laceration, but hopefully he's actually healthy enough and not just trying to power through it. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, for for the Vikings, um, Makai Blackman, their rookie corner, as well as who's dealing with a shoulder injury and an illness, as well as Jordan Addison with an ankle injury, were DMPs on Wednesday, but were upgraded to limited participants in practice on Thursday. Um, that's bad news for the Packers as Makai Blackman has been one of the Vikings best corners this year, as well as Jordan Addison has been a pretty good, um, wide receiver opposite of Justin Jefferson, um, in his rookie season as well. So if they end up going, that'll be a two pretty big impact players, um, going against the Packers this Sunday night. Uh, defensive tackle Sheldon Day has a ankle injury. He was limited in practice Wednesday and Thursday, as was Troy Dye, their linebacker with a wrist injury. Um, safety Theo Jackson has a toe injury. He did not participate in either day. Alexander Madison, their running back, who they had hoped to fill in the spot for Dalvin Cook, um, and has not has an ankle injury. He was limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Byron Murphy Jr., their cornerback, has a knee injury. He did not participate in either day of practice. Jalen Naylor um, has a concussion. He was a DMP on both Wednesday and Thursday. Tackle Brian O'Neill has an ankle injury. He was a full participant both days. So was linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. with a shoulder injury. Um, defensive tackle Harrison Phillips was, has a back injury. He was limited on Wednesday and then promoted to a full participant on Thursday. And defensive tackle Jacqueline Roy has an ankle injury. He was a DMP both days. Session? Maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> um I think the bigger deal for the for the Vikings, though, is all the players that we haven't listed that are on IR. Uh, obviously, quarterback Kirk Cousins is on IR with his Achilles injury. Same thing with Cam Akers, the running back. Um, TJ Hawkinson just blew up his knee, tearing his MCL and his ACL, which is very unfortunate as he was having a fantastic year. Um, tears, it, tears both those ligaments at a very crappy time to do it as the guy breaking out. Like, this is now late in the season. Will just he just extended him. Yeah, they just extended him. Like, will this be will will this carry into next season? Probably. I don't think he'll be ready for re- week one. Like, you're thinking usually nine to ten months to for an ACL MCL injury. So we'll see. Best of luck to him. Uh, Marcus Davenport, Dean Lowry, James Lynch, James Lynch, William uh, Kowenku. My back probably said his name wrong. My apologies. Um, Ole Udu and then DJ Wanham as well are all on IR. Um, you had mentioned pre-pod that the DJ Wanham injury is um, pretty critical for them as he's had quite the year for them on defense. Yeah, Daniil Hunter is the star pass rusher, but DJ Wanham was the guy that gave the Packers fits the first time around, two sacks in the in week eight at Lambeau, and has been a very critical player for them. You know, kind of, it's not just balls on Daniil Hunter's shoulders. He's been, you know, equally as disruptive um, even had a defensive touchdown score this year. So, yeah, he's that's a critical piece missing from the Vikings puzzle now. And now it's yeah, – we're talking about players that <laughs> that are going to be like second strikers that are going to have to make an impact against the Packers. And obviously the biggest one of all is who they're starting a quarterback now. Yeah, and it's uh, it's Jaron Hall, rookie out of BYU. Um, they went from Kirk Cousins to Josh Dobbs to Nick Mullins, and now no, to... no, they went. So they so Kirk Cousins gets oh, yeah. hurt in the first Packers game. Yeah. Then it goes to Jaron Hall, who starts the next game. Josh Dobbs replaces him because they just traded for him after the trade deadline. Josh Dobbs starts the next couple games. Dobbs mania goes crazy. Then it 
falters, he gets replaced by Nick Mullins. Then Nick Mullins puts forth a stinker, at least last week, and now it's Jaron Hall's turn. I didn't know he started one game. He started the Jaron Hall because I, I believe it was the Atlanta game. It was, but I look at his at his his game. It's five completions on six attempts. That doesn't scream starting quarterback to me like that. And like, I'm curious. I need to look and see. Did they actually? Uh, I want to see if if Josh Dobbs like replay. Oh yeah, he did because he he led him back to a to the, the comeback win drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, he started that game. Josh Dobbs finished that game. Uh, Jaron Hall had five, six, seventy-eight yards, no touchdowns, um, no fumbles, no nothing. He didn't do anything. Josh Dobbs that game had twenty completions on thirty attempts, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Like that was, I forgot that Jaron Hall had started that game, so that that makes sense. Um, but yeah, Jaron Hall, rookie out of BYU. Um, I have some notes from. Dane Brugler's um, Beast article, or I guess PDF portfolio from this year's this year's draft. Um, I'll read if take it for what you will, but um, Dane Brugler wrote that out of BYU, Jaron Hall was athletic and quick-footed, very efficient in the uh, RPO game and on play-action bootlegs, throws the ball well on the move, and his arm strength looked better last year than it did, um, or I guess looked better in 2022. Um, control mechanics in the pocket, or in motion with a clean, compact release, and displays workable ball placement on pitch and catch and bucket throws. Um, his weaknesses were it has an inconsistent deep ball accuracy, and his receivers are often waiting for the football. Accuracy suffers when he's forced to reset his feet and eyes on the move, and when he misses, it's usually high. Um, had more fumbles at BYU than interceptions. So that, to me, screams. I guess we'll jump right into the analysis. We'll get kind of back into the... Um, the matchup a little bit in a little bit, but the uh, just looking at that, if he's ha- if he has problems on the move and resetting the pocket and th- throwing and like moving his eyes, that sounds to me like this will be a pretty pretty big game for the defensive line and Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. Like this will be a if you want to disrupt Jaron Hall and you want to get at this rookie, which I don't think should be too hard for the Packers, but I think the way to success is to. Mi- make sure that pocket is crowded make him move and then making sure you're not getting dink and dunked on the field make him throw far because boy howdy i think if you're looking to not get beat deep you're playing the wrong type of defense against jared hall at least according to dame brugler's analysis of him coming out of college which utah collegiate quarterback will reign supreme um See, we have arrived to the state of uh, abysmal Packers defense. I wanted to look this up, and I'm kicking myself that I did not look this up before we started recording. I can try to look it up quick. Um, well, let's... It might take a minute. Packers have faced a litany of quarterbacks this year. Or, or te- sorry, rather, teams that have replaced injured quarterbacks or quarterbacks that have been replaced because of underperforming or whatever. This is nothing new for this season. Yeah. I mean, it's more rare that the team that the Packers play against will be the same team that the, that team will be for the rest of the year. 
I can just tell you who they who they are. I can go through the games. So they faced Desmond Ritter, who got replaced by Taylor Heineke, I think, last week. Um, Derek Carr is still there, and and uh, oh, he's New also Orleans. been replaced at some point. Well, he got injured. I think that's different. Oh, that's right. I think, I think, I'm not counting injuries. I'm counting like performance based. Okay. Um, Aiden O'Connell replaced uh, replaced Jimmy Garoppolo. Him? Was that did they face Aiden O'Connell that week? They did. No. They, they, it was they, Garoppolo. It was Garoppolo. Oh God. Um, they faced the Broncos, who just benched Russell Wilson today. Um, they faced Kirk Cousins, who was an, has an injury, so they'll be facing a new quarterback there. Um, they faced the Rams with Brett Ripien. That was an injury, too, so I don't think that's also... But you, you can keep counting, because like, I think that does... If you count the... If you count the, the replacement quarterback after the injury, it counts. I'm not counting Derek Carr because of... They faced yeah. him, and then later he got injured. Um, Kenny Pickett was the quarterback. That's an injury replacement. Nope, that was an injury replacement. He got, he got concussed. He got concussed. Um, still Jared Goff. Still Patrick Mahomes. Tommy DeVito got uh, sent to the, the garage like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is still there, and then Bryce Young is still there. So six, six. quarterbacks they've faced at some point where – They've that quarterback was either replaced or they're facing the replacement. And we live in a world where Tommy DeVito became uh, enjoyed his 15 minutes of fame because Joe Barry <laughs> let him walk all over this defense. Oh, so I don't I don't have any expectations of of them playing a quarterback that is a rookie fifth round quarterback. That has very few snaps on tape. They saw some of him in fourth quarter, uh, in fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter of the first time they played against each other. And if I'm reading the Dean Brugler profile of him and just the kind of summary of his talents, I would say that scares the shit out of me because yeah. that is the problem. Like the, he possesses the tools. That could easily eviscerate this Packers defense. In it doesn't have to be this outpouring of of you know the next you know Michael Vick or Kaepernick kind of thing. It could just be the the subtle ways that he like extends plays, extends drives, um, profiting off of broken plays because if they don't, if they break contain, well, we know how that works. Like it's stuff like that that is just really scary to me even with knowing that they have lost their star tight end jordan addison has been in the injury report so he's gonna be even if he plays he's gonna be limited or carried some kind of knock with him like the vikings are so banged up and it might not matter that's the scary part yeah absolutely like i'm, I'm right there with you that it's it's unfortunate that we're at this place in a packers defensive state where a fourth string quarterback is in a position to possibly let up the Packers through just completing easy passes. And yeah, I'm right there with you. That's scary. Like we don't really have too much on Jaron Hall, but I, I think my, I guess thing to watch for and my, one of my players will be revealed later, but will be the pass rush. Like this has to be a good game from the defensive line and the edge rushers. It just has to be. Because if it's not, 
you're going to allow a guy to get set and become comfortable in the pocket throwing to possibly, when healthy, the best receiver in football and possibly the best rookie receiver um, in football this year. Like, all respect to Jaden Reed. I think he's up. He's, he's number two, if not number one. But Jordan Addison has had quite the year as well. Like, that just, it's just the way it is. I think they're the cream of the crop this year. Um, JSN in Seattle's had a good year. Quinton Johnson in, the, in LA has not. Um, but it's between Jaden Reed and Jordan Addison for best rookie receiver this year. And I think when you have that sort of talent across the line of scrimmage and you're able to throw it to either of those guys as a quarterback and a rookie quarterback, you might be just okay having that happen or having those, yeah. those tools for, for you to utilize. It'll be scary. It'll be scary. Um, looking back, I guess well, this is going a little bit out of order, but looking back at the week eight uh, matchup between the Vikings and the Packers, it was ugly. Um, not a good game from frankly anybody. Vikings beat the Packers 24-10 at Lambeau Field. Um, 297 passing yards from Kirk Cousins and a little bit of Jaron Hall, despite Justin Jefferson not being available. Um, 27 targets spread across for TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, and KJ Osborne. Um, of the 297 passing yards, 269 of them came from um, those, those, those three players. And then TDs from Addison and Hawkinson as well. Um, through week eight, the Vikings had not had a rushing touchdown. Alexander Madison, um, or I think about Kirk Cousins scored their first rushing touchdown of the year. It was neither. It was neither. Was it, was it, it was Chandler? Cam Akers. Oh God, it was Cam Akers. Uh, scored their first rushing touchdown of the year in week eight. Um, like we talked about earlier, Jordan Love played, I guess, okay this game. 24-41, 259 passing yards, a TD and a pick. And then sacked four times. Um, and like you had said earlier, their leading um, sack getter that game was DJ Wanham, who's now injured. Um, so their receiving core wasn't that good. Christian Watson had three uh, catches for 33 yards on eight targets. Um, and then you had picked up this little bit of information from PFF. Um, Jordan Love won blitz in week eight per PFF. Per PFF. 12 of 19, 104 yards, one touchdown. When not blitzed, he was 12 of 22, um, 126 passing yards, and one interception. So, uh, it'll we'll see how it goes. The Vikings blitz early and often, so I think it's been an of no note. No one blitzes more than the Vikings. It's been of note throughout the season that the that Jordan Love plays well against the blitz. So, it's not a immovable object versus an unstoppable force. But it's certainly a matchup to watch for sure. Like, how often are the Vikings blitzing with Daniel Hunter and company? And how well is Jordan Love navigating that blitz? I think that is something that we've seen him develop quite well over the season and in, in avoiding. I think it was the, um, there's a video going around Packers Twitter today of, I think, two separate throws that were identical throws from the Buccaneers game to the Panthers game where Jordan Love steps up in a blitz and delivers a dart. Um, in the corner of the end zone. And I think we've seen that a lot this year of Jordan Love being able to escape the the pass rush. So hopefully that can continue can continue this uh this game, but Brian Flores has really revitalized that defense after it was a league worst or almost league worst last year with the Detroit Lions. So it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. 
I yes, I think I think it's very both teams are are banged up in very critical spots. The injury report does not favor the Packers in terms of yeah, it's nice having Jaden Reed possibly back, probably back. Dontavian Wicks, I believe Matt LaFleur said Thursday that both Christian Watson and Wicks would have to practice Friday for a chance for both of them to play. That's not great. Like Dontavian Wicks emerging over the last couple of weeks has been huge for Jordan Love and him figuring things out that just think and a guy that can extend plays beyond just the point of contact or uh you know whatever stat you want to call it so it's just like <laughs> this defense that the vikings have of it's headlined by daniel hunter but losing dj wanham a guy that's been really you know kind of the robin to his batman if you want to call it that way and <laughs> Obviously, everything else that they're missing between Hawkinson going to Hall with the quarterback, they're missing people at critical spots. The Packers, on the other hand, are obviously without Jair at a critical time, if he was even going to play, too. Um, Jordan Love without, you know, kind of his number one, who we thought was going to be the number one wide receiving target going into the year, to the guy that was eventually usurping everybody as the number one while receiving target by this point in the year. I don't know. Like it's just, it, it's such a smorgasbord of kind of injuries and limitations that both teams face and it's football and yada, yada, yada. But like, it just makes this kind of game even more, it, it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be really chaotic, which Packers games have increasingly been. Yeah, I am in full agreement with you. I think this game is going to be back and forth of, like, can the Packers put together drives to keep their defense off the field for a long portion of time? Like, that'd be nice if they could rely on their offense to really drive this game and finish drives with touchdowns each and every time against a defense that is, like, pretty good this year. Brian Flores, like we had mentioned, coming after being fired i think in miami and then yes he was the whole the whole lawsuit. lawsuit with the nfl and all that good stuff has now come back and um i guess done really well with, with this defense if the packers can offense can really run i should say run can really operate against this defense that'll be a good sign for the end, end of the year expectations for them but yeah i think the biggest thing is just going to be the defense the the uh, the defense looking as bad as it did against the Carolina Panthers doesn't really make me feel all the best for the Vikings game. Like, I think it's different. It's still the uh, it's still a rookie QB. It's still an unproven rookie QB with even better assets at receiver than the Panthers have. And I think if you look at a lot of what Bryce Young did for the Panthers in their loss on Sunday against the Packers. It's a lot of what Jaron Reed is probably, or I'm sorry, Jaron Hall is going to be doing for the Vikings. A lot of short throws, mixing in some deep throws, but it's going to be a lot of over the middle and underneath. And how Eric Stokes can handle Justin Jefferson, because he drew that assignment a lot last year, week one, before his injury, how he can handle 
Justin Jefferson is going to be a, a big part of it. Like I went back and watched a condensed replay of last year's game, and there's a lot of Eric Stokes coverage on Justin Jefferson and a lot of Justin Jefferson getting open. Like that's just kind of how it is, and we don't want to hope that Eric Stokes has lost a step, but it kind of looks like he has after his injury battled last year, and so we'll probably see a lot of zone because they don't have the man. Like, they don't have the corners to keep up with them in <laughs> man at the moment, which I've been screaming for man all year, and I get it, and I, I don't say I want zone, but I think it's what we'll see. If you believe they put a man on the moon, man I'm, on the moon. Are you calling Justin Sorry. Jefferson the moon? Uh, Yeah, he's unattainable for the Packers in every which way. In every um, which way. <laughs> um, Yeah. You're hurting my brain by saying all these really neatly packaged facts. And Listen, it hurt my brain looking at them. Yeah, I just... Like, I, I watched, that, I watched that, that game, and contrary to what our memories are, the Packers kicked off to start the game last year. Vikings yes, got, the ball, got the ball first. For some reason in my brain, first play of the game was Rodgers to Christian Christian Watson Watson drop. It is not. It is instead just an absolute dismantling of the Packers defense as the Vikings drove down the field to score a Justin Jefferson touchdown. And the play they scored on was Justin Jefferson at the top of the screen going in motion to the bottom. And Eric Stokes completely blowing his zone read or his, his zone read and missing Justin Jefferson in the backfield for a touchdown. Like, I don't really see how the defense has changed that much since since then. What, 17 games plus 15 more is 32 games since then? It's kind of been the same exact thing. They're less talented. I mean, we talked about this in the, in the Discord, is that I think Joe Barry, to touch a third rail topic, um, Joe Barry is doing what he thinks is the most preventable way or the the most insulating way of playing or man- matching up with opposing teams, even with the deck stacked towards their direction. We're talking about rookie quarterbacks. We're talking about players that do not have, have very minimal NFL game experience starting against the Packers and running through them. And... On the flip side, the Packers have had a number of injuries. Jair Alexander, as we mentioned, their top cornerback, will play fewer games than he has missed. Rasul Douglas is no longer on this team. The secondary is banged up. They have switched from Rudy Ford to Jonathan Owens to Anthony Johnson to Darnell Savage is playing, but then now he's hurt. Like There are many reasons why you would say, okay, we have a very inexperienced and young team, especially in very susceptible positions that have been turned over year over year, week over week this year. This is what I feel like is the best way to play it. And the mind numbing thing is it's not a wrong strategy. The wrong strategy is not deviating from it when it doesn't work because that's, we can talk about it until the cows come home and they will soon come home if the Packers lose. So, I think that that is kind of, there's this, this, I feel this fatalistic way where I 
I know the Packers season is coming to an end. Whether it's this week or obviously after week 18. If they don't make it to the playoffs. Right. But there's just a way that I'm just like, I cannot watch this anymore. Stop subjecting me to torture. You know what I mean? I get it. Like, I think... Joe Barry is waterboarding me with zone defense and... I want Single you to, high shell or whatever. <laughs> I want you to make your point clear in that you are sick of watching the defense, but you still enjoy watching the Packers. Oh, I love the Packers. I love the Packers. I and I'm not I'm only echoing what have other smarter people that talk about the Packers right. more frequently than I do. But it is it is there's something deflating and disheartening the fact that we are talking about a team that has made such progress. The fact that we're talking about them vying for a playoff berth, even with them stumbling over the last couple of weeks, is still remarkable. But there is, the base defense at which this team plays is just not like you can throw out any stat that you want that you see on Twitter or X or threads or whatever, and it all just comes back again. It's it it's just you know, I that's why I'm just I fear that against especially a team that is playing for their own playoff fortunes, even with all the things that the Vikings have faced this year, they still have something to play for, and they will happily snatch some you know increased chances for them to play for a playoff berth next week and dash the Packers playoff chances. Yeah, this game is in I guess for all intents and purposes a playoff game for them. They both yeah. te- both teams need to win to make the playoffs, and if the other team lose the other team that loses isn't making the playoffs, it's just it's cut and dry like that. <laughs> um, anything else, or should we get into players to watch and score predictions? Uh, no, I think I think we were, I think we've uh, arrived. All right, players to watch, Jordan. I will let you go first and potentially steal my. My uh, my picks. Um, I'll go Vikings first. Okay. I'm gonna go Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall. We saw Kirk Cousins in a very good game before he got hurt. That really just eviscerate the Packers' pass defense. Jaron Hall is. Uh, let me see how many snaps he has to his name. It's not a lot. Believe it's not a lot. He has attempted just ten. 10 passes and has had how many dropbacks? Does it matter? Um, <laughs> it This is a big game for him, obviously. The, he's got the nod. There's no Josh Dobbs lurking in the background to steal his, his handiwork or Nick Mullins. The Vikings are in try, like, they're in effort mode. They're trying everything. And that could go two or one of two ways where it could go, okay, it works for this week. Next week we'll <laughs> roll uh, 21 again and maybe we'll get in the playoffs or whatever. But this is a playoff game for them. They turn to a rookie fifth-round quarterback that has just attempted 10 passes this year and has tried everything to kind of salvage this year. And he's got the best wide receiver in football available to him. He's got the best 
rookie wide receiver in football, I would say, available to him. He has weapons to make this a, a problem for the Packers. And it might not matter if he throws well or not, because he can do dangerous things on, on the ground, which is always the Packers, um, uh, you know, Achilles heel. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'll be very interested to see how which way this goes. Is it going to be a DeVito game? Is it going to be a Brett Rippian game? Is it going to be a, I don't know, Joe Webb game? Throwback? God. Yeah. I was at that game. That's just crazy. It was a good game. It was a good game. Um, I will stick with the uh, the Vikings, and I will go with the obvious answer, which is Justin Jefferson. Like, that's just cut and dry. He has the ability to pick apart any defense he faces. And I I think they won. Did they win last week? They faced... They did not. They lost to the Lions. Lost to the Lions. But that's they how were, the Lions clinched the division. They were in the, the mix because of Justin Jefferson last week. Like, he had a, if I'm not mistaken, a pretty huge game last week. Um, Six catches, ten targets, a touchdown for 141 yards. That'll do it. That'll do it. And... He has a bunch of games like that this year. He has played in one, two, three, four, five, six, eight games. Eight. And he has four games of over 140 yards. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Uh, Pretty crazy. Man. So he's good. He's real good. I think that's simple enough as to keep my players to watch uh, players to watch short. Um, my Packer is going to be Rashawn Gary. How he performs and how he pressures the pocket against... Jaron Hall is going to be critical. The The Vikings have had a re, revitalized offensive line. I'm looking at PFF, and they're pretty good in the passing uh, the passing game, or like pass blocking. Um, they're starting O-line of Ed Ingram, Christian Derrissaw, Brian O'Neill, Garrett Bradbury, and Dalton Reisner. That's in no particular order. They're, that's rather just snap counts for blocking on PFF, not across the way. But Christian Derrissaw is their left tackle. And he is their best pass blocker and best blocker overall. He's allowed five sacks and 12 hits, but they've only allowed what looks like to be 20-ish sacks on the season if this is a, a right count from, uh, from PFF's just individual sack point. But yeah, I think they really just need to be able to get home against, against Jaron Hall. If they don't, he's going to be able to get comfortable in the pocket and make confident throws to two of the best receivers in the game right now one already and one emerging between justin jefferson and jordan addison so yeah Rashawn gary as the leader of the pass rushers is my player to watch for the packers hmm. i have a lot of options love jones you have 52 options that is correct do i go Bo boy melton no, it's the same as both. Um, oh, I don't know. I have again. I'm. I my feel for these games are are just non-existent at this point. Um, let's go, Aaron Jones. It was very encouraging to see him not only do very productive things on the field, but also get a lion's share of the of of the looks from the backfield. Obviously, Asia Dillon's hampered with a thumb injury that made his thumb look like he... It was bizarre. It was bizarre what they are trying to do with Asia Dillon. Just put a prosthetic can on there. It would probably work better than what they're doing right now. doesn't matter. Um, I think, for me, 
last week was kind of the balance that we wanted to see from the offense between Aaron Jones getting 21 carries, working himself in the in the backfield, even though passing's not been there between him and Love. But Love working in concert with that. It's not too heavy on on the pass and, and making Jordan Love have to do everything in order for things to work. The thing that you touched on earlier on this podcast is the biggest thing for me is that when Aaron Jones first, like the disparity between we see a good first drive where Aaron Jones is featured, getting the line share touches, kind of the engine to kickstart things. And then as the game goes on, either he's not as productive or they just shy away from him. And, you know, now we're in as this is do or die mode. Every game for the rest of the season is playoff mode. It should have been like this for the last couple of games. It's or I'm sorry. It should not have been like this for the last couple of games because they were in the driver's seat, but now they're in the, the middle seat in the back and they're very scrunched up next to this, the Seahawks and the Rams. They're trying to make their way out of this. And for me, how they work in Aaron Jones into the game plan and kind of, continue that success beyond the first drive will probably be the biggest bellwether of how this game goes because it's been really good the last couple games on the first drive and then last week was better than the Buccaneers game but it could easily just be like oh Aaron Jones is invisible and it's like every year for the last five seasons under Matt LaFleur yeah I I'm I strong agree with everything you said like I think it's it's that easy Score predictions. You want me to go first since I made you go first on? No, I'll go first. All right. Vikings. 23. Packers. 20. You and I have similar score predictions. Mine is Vikings 27, Packers 24. They lose on a game-winning kick from Greg Joseph. I think we see a defensive touchdown. This week. I don't know who from, but I think we see a defensive touchdown. Bold prediction, Mr. Tresky. It's rare. Also, you say you don't know who it's from as if the Packers defense is making plays. A Packers defense that is I think Joe Barry almost bottom of the barrel in turnover. He's gonna fly yes it is. That's the (laughs) You you say you don't know who it's coming from when there's a good chance there's one team who it's coming from. So, uh, anything else? I just want to talk about the Packers being in the playoff mix. Okay. I don't want a I don't want a lame duck game against the Bears. I yeah. I don't want a lame duck game. Yeah, I get that. I I would rather Week 18 mean something. At that point, it also sucks that Week 18 might mean something, and the Bears could knock us out like the Lions did last year. I don't care. I care a little. I care a little bit. So be it. I'd rather lose to the Vikings and the Bears than lose to the Bears and get knocked out of the playoffs. Because that's like giving the Bears fans, Bears and their fans, the tiniest bit of hope and tiniest bit of happiness. You're scared. Don't be scared. I just don't this want is, that. I just don't want Bears fans to be game. happy. I just want Bears fans to be happy. That's all there is to it. They're never happy. But they'll, but they'll have a tiny smidgen of happiness to start their new year. Yeah, they're still on... And rolling in the mud. <laughs> pigs and slop is my exact yeah, point, Jordan. Pigs and slop. Exact point. <laughs> Who cares? 
I'm over here walking a very clean life. Bear's over there. Get out. Eat your salmon. <laughs> Don't think of God. <laughs> all right. That's it, folks. We're wrapping up. Thank you all for listening. Um, hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. Um, hope you guys have an enjoyable New Year, New Year's Eve. Do everything safe. Drive yeah, safe. Yeah, that's the other thing. Don't drink and drive. Joe Barry, don't drink and drive. Joe Barry, by now, if he ruins my New Year's Eve, oh my God, I'm going to write to my congressman. <laughs> I don't know why you'd write to. I forget her name. I forget who's our Congress, our House Representative. Yeah. person but I, I whatever anyways be sure to do everything safe happy new year we'll have maybe some resolutions coming out of a uh, sunday nights uh sunday nights game some nice sense of theme sense of theme right um go check out the bucks feed with Todd Rohan on Eurostep and Mr. Jordan himself and Adam on winning six for all things bucks um if they just came off a win over the Brooklyn Nets last night, Wednesday night. Um, go check out Adam McGee and Andrew Snyder on Cruising for a Bruising as they trudge through the Brewers offseason. And go check out Adam and Andrew on Make Time for This as well for all things pop culture. So go rate and review five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts for us. We would really appreciate it. Um, I know I'm thankful for all you guys listening throughout the year. Um, still growing, still having the most fun time talking our favorite football team. So always happy to have y'all's support. So again, thank you. And Jordan, thank you. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.